Hi, babes. Welcome to The Pleasure Portal, a podcast for women desiring to embody their fierce, wild, feminine magic, reclaim their deepest soul desires, and unleash the passion, pleasure, and fulfillment they know in their bones is their birthright. I'm your host, Kelsey Grant, a love, intimacy, and relationship educator and pleasure alchemist. I'm curious, has your pleasure ever been on the back burner? Have you ever felt like your pleasure doesn't matter? Have you experienced your feminine power being minimized, ignored, or suppressed? If so, this is the place for you. Because in this podcast, we're writing a whole new story together. We're a community of fierce femmes who are done with the binds of repression. We're the women who desire a pleasurable sex life, sacred connection with ourselves, and intimate partnership with another without having to give up or hide parts of who we are. We're the modern witches who, until now, have had to hide or suppress our sacred gifts. Together, we're unhooking from the binds that mute our greatest expression. We're dialing up that turn on full tilt. We're creating right relationship with our emotions, our power, our enchantment alchemy, and our womb wisdom. Each episode, I'll bring to you a mix of pleasure alchemy, embodiment education, love, sex, and relationship insights, and ultimately an invitation home to your fierce feminine magic. We are reclaiming it all. Down and in we go. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Pleasure Portal podcast. I have a wonderful, wonderful guest for us today, my lovely friend, Vera. Vera, I'm so happy to have you here. I am so happy and I'm so honored that you asked me to speak with you because I'm a huge fan, you know, (laughs) of you. Oh my gosh. Well, the feeling is mutual. And I know that we, we've never met in person, but we have met on the internet, which, you know, I'm convinced now that all great love stories start on the internet in some way, shape or form these days. Yeah. These days. And I was just so so moved by your kindness and your generosity and the ways in which you dialogued with me in those first few months of getting to know each other. Like I always felt this sense of warmth and connection from you. And then I came in and taught a guest workshop for your community and it was so fun. I had such a blast collaborating with you. So it was just an easy yes. And I was putting together my guests for season one. I'm like, okay, I got to call Vera. She's got to be in here. Like we got to get her magic on the podcast and share you with the world. So thank you for saying yes. Of course. And yeah, we did a a workshop on unhooking from overfunctioning, which Mm -hmm. I learned a ton from, even though I was teaching it with you (laughs) and just your integrity and how you communicate and what my audience and our community got from that was so special and people still talk about that class in our community so oh my gosh very much reciprocated ah that gives me all the flutters of joy and mm, that feels so good thank you for sharing that with me (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) okay so fun fact I just learned that uh there's some interesting story behind your name right before we got on the podcast because I sent you a message I'm like oh like let me know your last name and you're like actually it's just Vera I'm like oh save that story for the podcast let's hear it so I'd love to to hear that unfolding tell me a little bit more about how you landed on Vera and what that means to you and yeah let's let's dive dive in there yeah so uh my 
born name is Adrian Lise. I was named after two different people, my mom's two best friends from throughout her life. And I, growing up, would kind of flip-flop back and forth between those two names. And so I've always had kind of like a fluidity with names. I'm like, ah, mm. call me this, call me that, whatever, you know. And before I was doing tarot or teaching yoga, meditation kind of stuff, I was in the music industry and I was singing. And so it's very common to have a stage name mm -hmm. as a musician. And so I came up with Vera as my singing name. And I, and I was riding in the back of my friend's car. And I was like, Vera, that's my name, you know? I love um, but are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, you first. Um, but so I became Vera, self-titled myself Vera. And then as I was going along, I realized that the root of Vera in Latin means truth, like veritas. Mm. And in Sanskrit is hero. So like Vera Bhadrasana too, warrior pose. Um, so it was kind of like after the fact that I'd named myself that I, that I realized how important it was. Mm. Mm -hmm. Truth warrior. Uh, that feels so right for you. <laughs> yeah, so no. right for you. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Truth so at all costs is kind of mm -hmm. like what I live my life by. And you know, I'm a Sagittarius. It's really hard for me to lie. So it kind of yes. all makes sense. It really does. Uh, as it really does. Why my name is Vera. Oh, that is incredible. And I think it's such an important permission slip for people. I know a couple of friends of mine have had given names that didn't feel right for them. No matter how many times they tried to try it on and flow with it, it just wasn't quite getting to the core of who they were. And so they, they chose a name. And that name became the embodiment of their true spirit, their true essence. And like Vera just seems, and I know it's like the name that I met you under. So like that does have some influence, but it also just feels so you. And to be able to design our lives in a way that feels true and authentic to us, I think is one of the best permission slips you could ever give my community and the world. Like, so we're already off to a great start here today. Yeah. And to note, I go by my middle name, Lise, to my fiance, mm. to my family. Mm -hmm. And it's done this really wonderful thing of kind of separating my intimate personal, like feminine mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, from my creative kind of business entrepreneur outer life. Not yes. like I'm in the public eye, but it helps me separate. Oh, mm -hmm. if I'm calling myself least right now, I am me and it's my time. Mm -hmm. If I'm Vera right now, I, I can give myself to others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm on, it's my, my on name. Like, and I love that you mm -hmm. called it a stage name because as a performer myself, like that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a persona that comes out when I'm on stage or when I'm performing or when I'm leading. And like my work has become to like really create some alignment between who I am on stage and who I am off stage. Like for me, that's so important for those two to be lined up. And 
I also think it's important to have privacy in certain elements of your life that the rest of the world just doesn't have access to, but the people who are closest to you get to see, like there's so much sacredness in that. And I think we can forget that, especially with the rise of like celebrity culture and, you know, putting people on pedestals and like projecting all of our stuff onto them. Like it can be really challenging to separate those two. And I love that you have those boundaries. Like that is incredible. So special. Well, I think it's yes, totally celebrity culture, but I, I do also think like this, and I talk to my, I read tarot and I talk to my clients about this a lot of just like having something for them. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, Mm -hmm a lot of our culture kind of says nowadays, like share everything, share, share, share. It is, you know, put yourself out there. Um, But like, we really don't need to, we don't need Mm -hmm. to share all of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, We can choose what we share with our family, with our friends. We don't have to have this kind of blanket, uh, I'm going to share X, Y, Z with everybody. We can pick and choose and we have that Mm -hmm. agency. So that's Mm -hmm. been a huge adult lesson for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I think that's exactly what I was kind of feeling with the whole like celebrity culture thing, because celebrity culture is like this idea that we have access to everything and we should have access to everything. And you should give everyone everything all the time because you're in the public eye, but no, like there's gotta be some elements that are sacred for you and just you, like you do this for you. And I mean, everything that I teach is rooted in pleasure and self-love. And so that's such a, an important element to cultivating more self-love and more pleasure in your life is to have those very clear lines of what you will share and what you won't share, what's sacred, what's available to everyone else. Like you get to decide your sovereign being. Yeah, you get to choose. I also talk about this all the time. Like I talk about ritual and magic in my teachings and uh, I've done a course on ritual and how to integrate ritual into our every day. And Mm. what I, my biggest teaching is like, nobody needs to know what you do. Nobody needs to know your self-care rituals. Nobody needs to know how you meditate or if you Mm -hmm. pray. Um, Why do they need to know? It kind of detracts from its essential power Mm -hmm. of doing it for yourself. And so I often say, you know, if I'm doing a tarot reading, I'm like, please don't get off the phone and tell anybody this, this is for you. Mm -hmm. And not like you're needing to be secret. There's a difference between being private and being secretive. Yes. Mm -hmm. For you, what is the, the line between privacy and secrecy? I think that privacy is holding sacred exactly what you said holding mm-hmm. sacred things that connect you to your either essential self your authentic self or your higher power whatever you want to call it yeah um secrecy is this there's a bridge there of knowing that it's going to maybe hurt somebody mm-hmm. or knowing that there is like an element an element of mistruth that you right. are trying to conceal So they're very, very different. Very different. Yeah. And they often get collapsed on each other. And then (laughs) we find ourselves in these messes in the world, whether it's, you know, enmeshment in a relationship or 
you know, enmeshment with a codependent system that we're a part of, like it can cause a lot of mischief when we don't have that distinction. So I love that you just made that so clear for everybody and so easy to digest as well. So I know rituals are a very private thing. And like, if you were to share with someone who is curious about generating some more devotional rituals for themselves, where's a good place for them to start playing or looking within their life? Yeah. So I always tell people to look at what they're already doing because people have rituals that maybe they don't even realize are rituals. Mm -hmm. So it's a ritual to like get up in the morning and drink coffee or to write in your journal or to take a bath at night, whatever these things are, it's about kind of layering in an understanding of intention. Yeah. So, um, instead of just taking a bath, which we know implicitly might feel good to us Mm -hmm. to say, I'm actually taking a bath to like cleanse the energy of the day. Yes. Or, and can I even add in something vocal that I'm saying, I now remove all energy that is not mine. Mm -hmm. So I often find that rituals actually are already being done. They just need to be named. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love you so much. (laughs) I, for one of my pleasure courses, I just finished doing a module on devotional rituals and almost word for word, what you just said. I just said in that module, I'm like, okay, yep. Soul sister, soul sister, we're in sync here. This is amazing. Um, But you're so right. Like there, our lives are made up of rituals. Like we are creatures of habit. Like we're constantly in these habitual patterns and then it's just a matter of bringing intention and, you know, our attention to what we're doing and, you know, shifting the energy around it. So it feels really nourishing. Like I'm automatically doing these things every day. And if like, for me, one of my rituals is going on pleasure walks. So I like to go for walks, but take different routes. And every time I take a different route, the whole objective is to see something I've never seen before that pleases, delights me. And it is such a nourishing ritual for me because not only do I get my sense of adventure, but I get a lot of variety. And these are two very important core values for me. And like, I get to be connected to the world around me. And especially in a pandemic time where connection is shifting and maybe the things that we would normally be doing to generate connection aren't as accessible. Like I've had to get really creative. (laughs) Like, how am I going to get those needs met? Because they're essential. They're essential needs. They're non-negotiable. So how can I generate that? And going for a walk with the intention of seeing something that I've never seen before, seeing something that pleases and delights me, it automatically connects me in that moment. It connects me to whatever it is I'm observing, but it also connects me to myself, to the universe, to magic, to love, and boom, all of a sudden my need for connection is now met. And yes. like, I just, I love the invitation to take a look at what are you already doing? Like, and let's make it devotional. Let's make it sacred. Let's make it intentional. Even if it's like when you make your coffee and I mean, me and my witch life over here, Like when I make my coffee, like just stirring intentions into my coffee 
and Mm -hmm. or like sitting with it and like intending an intention for my body this is going to really nourish my system and drinking this is going to like pour love into my body like every cell in my body is going to turn on in delight through drinking this coffee and so it is and so it is and so it is (laughs) (laughs) and I know you're all about that witch life too so let's let's talk about some of the ways in which you cultivate more magic and pleasure in your day-to-day life but also in your business yeah um Well, I am a huge fan of what some people would call invoking. So naming it, saying it out loud, um, either through actually verbalizing it into the universe or even writing it down. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I will often kind of speak out either what I need or what I'm letting go, what I'm releasing, um, or if I need protection. I do this a lot with protection. Um, and I've noticed because I do work with energy and I, when when I was working in a nightclub, even, you know, I would need to invoke protection. Like Mm. it's not just enough to like wear a necklace. I would like say I'm entering into this space. All energy that is not mine will not touch me. I will be everything that I experience is going to be for the benefit of myself Mm. and I will be completely and fully protected. And I do that before I read, uh, do a reading for tarot. Mm -hmm. I do that before I go to the grocery store sometimes Mm -hmm. if I'm feeling really sensitive. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm a huge fan of invoking and it can feel just like affirmations. It can feel super corny and uncomfortable at the beginning. Mm -hmm. You're like, really? I'm saying this? Who am I saying this to? It doesn't matter who you're saying it to. I think it's really important to remember. And what we remember, especially like with affirmations, is our brain doesn't actually know what's real and what's not real. Mm -hmm. So if we feed it messages of either positivity or what we need to experience, our brain doesn't know the difference. Um, and so that's one way, uh, in my business, I definitely am a huge intuitive, uh, I trust the intuition that I receive, not going to work or do collaborations with people that I kind of get that like gritty feeling from, or it's just like something's not settling right. Um, and then I definitely have done in the past more like manifestation abundance work um which acknowledging myself as like a privileged white person Mm. I understand that my version of manifestation is also because I have opportunities that Mm -hmm. are because of where I am in this like socioeconomic structure sure yeah Uh, but I have done a lot of manifestation in my life I love this so much. <laughs> as as a fellow intuitive, when it comes to my business, like I so resonate. Like, and sometimes even like that gritty feeling you were talking about in terms of collaboration, for me, it's not always been like you should stay away from this person. Sometimes it's a timing issue. And the time for that conversation is just not now. And then six months in the future, I get a very different energetic read on it. And I'm like, oh, now is the time. 
now's the time. And so it's about really cultivating that trust within myself and my intuitive system, but also just trusting in the flow of my feminine. And we were talking about this before we, we started recording of, you know, running a business in our feminine and then, or like in our masculine, like there's a lot of doing, 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 and then coming back into our feminine so we can be, be, be. And we, for me, I definitely have to perform a transition ritual in order to go from one mode to another. And that really shows up more so in relationship. Like when I'm in a relationship and I'm in work mode, like I am, I love creating, like I love generating. I'm a manifesting generator. Like I'm working on 20 different things at one time. And <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. And so I can really get laser focused sometimes and just be in the zone. And then when I move into my relationship without performing a transition ritual, like I'm bringing more of that intense, like work energy into the relationship, which doesn't necessarily feed the polarity <laughs> between me and a partner. <laughs> so I, I would love to jam on that with you because I know you said that that really popped for you when, when we were talking about that earlier. Yeah, when you made that distinction, I think it was in your first episode, I really resonated with that because even though I find myself as as a business owner very much in my feminine, like I'm I'm meditating before I send an email, like mm-hmm. sometimes, you know. I feel you, um, I feel you. But it does take a lot of the masculine energy. Mm-hmm. And as a tarot reader, it takes a lot of wands energy, which is mm. creativity and sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so what I notice is it takes like, it's like the same lane that it takes to be creative is the same lane that it occupies our sexuality. Mm-hmm. And if we are being super creative, sometimes it's hard to fall into that sexual side because they're kind of one in the same and if we are Mm -hmm. being in our creative space without what you said a transition ritual it can be hard to find the sexual side Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and i totally as somebody who's very much a boss (laughs) um noticing like yeah i'll come home and i'll like rapid fire directions to my partner as if I were like (laughs) the captain of a freaking ship. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that doesn't help anything. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I think, I think as we're talking about this stuff and as we are kind of practitioners in this sphere, it's not because we are experts at this. It's because no. we need to teach ourselves this over and over again. We're learning just like everybody else. We're practicing just like everybody else. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love humanizing that because I think it is very easy to create this illusion of, oh, I'm going to put this person on a pedestal because they are a teacher and I look up to them and that's wonderful. And we also need to remember that they're just as human as you are and they're struggling with similar things. They might be like five steps ahead, but they're still on the same path as you. And they're like, I have to remind myself of these things all the time. And I've just made more of a ritual out of remembering to perform the transition ritual. (laughs) Yes. And I notice when I, 
a big transition ritual for myself is doing yoga at night mm-hmm. and not like yoga to a video, like literally mm-hmm. just putting a candle on dark room, moving through space. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just a child's pose for 20 minutes, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and that is like the number one way that I can refine my feminine and re-enter my relationship. Mm, I love that. Mine is also generally through movement as well. And putting on music that turns me on and makes my body want to move and then just letting my body move how it wants to move. And eventually it starts making more of like a snake-like movement in my body and in my spine. And then my hips start going and I'm like, Ooh, I'm back. (laughs) There she is. Sometimes I lay on the floor and I do like hip thrusts into the air and like that moves the energy and like hip circles and, or like crawling around on the floor. I know it sounds silly, but like it gets me back into like my body. And that's where I need to transition from being in my head when I'm in my masculine, when I'm doing, it's often pretty heady. And then the embodiment or like the transition ritual helps bring me back into my body, which then I can, you know, feel my partner. I can (laughs) feel the world around me a little bit more. And that is a much more juicy energy to dance in especially romantic or sexual relationship with than you know yeah. the militant <laughs> like director of the ship <laughs> energy yeah. which i definitely have done and it does not work anytime like it works yeah. to create drama or upset or disconnection but it really doesn't generate create like connection and like the creation of that polarity energy or that sexual tension it really doesn't so yeah yeah and I think like side note or tangent as somebody who has been sexually assaulted Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot easier for me to be in the masculine yeah uh, energy because it's quote unquote, safer, like I can mm-hmm. direct it. I am the one, you know, yeah. directing the energy. For sure. And so it is definitely, I mean, I, I struggle with this all the time mm-hmm. of being in my receptive space. Yeah. Um, and I think especially, you know, for people who have experienced trauma sexually, allowing just softness, even if there's no one else there. Mm -hmm. um, can be an added layer, uh, of difficulty to get into that space. Yes, of course. Of course. That's such an important distinction because, you know, when we go through a traumatic experience, especially like a sexually traumatic experience, it makes total sense that the body responds by protecting and the masculine is the protector like in terms of an energy system. So the masculine energy is that protection. It's the boundaries, it's the needs, it's the values. It's like, this is okay and this is not okay. And so that it'll come up really fiercely for a good reason. Like there's such a good reason why that happens. And I mean, 
for myself and my own experience of that, it just got to a point where I felt a little burnt out because my masculine was on overdrive, like protecting me so much. And I wasn't being generated back to life with my feminine because I was in complete rejection of my feminine. Like my feminine is what got me into trouble in the first place, which once I started unpacking that, I'm like, what? (laughs) How did I make that connection in my head? Like this isn't, no, (laughs) it's not the equation here. And my feminine is like this very juicy, vibrant, sensual part of me. And it's not the reason why I, you know, experienced something that was harmful to me. And it's my access back into regenerating that life force energy and, you know, getting to play in the mystery of life, getting to play in the magic of life, getting to relax and recharge. Like those are more of the feminine energetic elements for me. And, but it does, it does take time to kind of work through all of those layers and begin to reclaim our feminine and reclaim a trusting relationship with the feminine and a healthy relationship to that masculine protector part of ourselves too. And like, yeah, like, yeah thank you. Like, thank you for being so fierce and having my back and protecting me. And let's have you work with my feminine so that we can create more of a union type of energy where both of you get to be online and you still yes. get to protect me. And like, when you go off, like, I'm going to listen when it tells me not to walk down that dark, dank alley, I'm going to listen, you know? And when my feminine is like, Ooh, you should turn here and walk down this street. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Cause there's probably something real nice that I'm about to see that's. And so I got, I get to play with both of them. So it's not about eradicating the protector. It's about bringing it into harmony again with the feminine. So for you, what was that process like, or what is that process like for you? Yeah, well, what you said, I think something really important to go back to is, oh no, it's my feminine that got me in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just so indicative of like our shame guilt culture Yeah, of like, you know, it's just the really tired, oh, well, she was wearing that. So Mm -hmm. that's why, or, well, she was a sexual being. So that's why, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. those stupid terms are, are really indoctrinated into our minds, even if we don't prescribe to them. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so this idea of like, well, yeah, like when I was younger, I was like super promiscuous and, you know, like, well, and that, look where that got me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think part of the healing for me is like separating this like shame guilt factor Mm. from my experience of sensuality Mm -hmm. because they don't need to live next to each other or on top of each other. That's one thing. Um, And then also this idea of like, well, I'm going to constantly be the protector so that I am safe and all of this. It's like, well, aren't we just like continually punishing ourselves Mm -hmm. from um, holding Mm -hmm. off on our experience of sensuality or pleasure? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, when I find myself, even I've been in my relationship for eight years Mm -hmm. and I will find myself kind of 
shirking to touch sometimes or, you know, being protective when there's no reason to be protective. Um, And I will check myself and be like, this is me punishing and kind of Mm re-traumatizing myself to say that I don't deserve this pleasure. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really, yep. really is. Yep. Yep. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, 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 ding. And I mean, that's so much of, you know, the new direction with my work that has inevitably taken the shape of like, we are inherently deserving of pleasure. Although our conditioning would tell us otherwise. Although our life experience sometimes would tell us otherwise. And you know, that experience of, yeah, my feminine was the thing that kind of got me in trouble. I just had a, a aha moment. I'm like, because for me, like, yes, I was very, you know, I don't want to say very promiscuous, but I was like, there was like this exploration and like, it's like my feminine was like cranked all the way up. And then I had some experiences that were really painful and traumatic and like tough to go through. And then my masculine was like, it's my time to shine. And like, <laughs> it gets cranked up. And then I find myself like in this place where both my masculine and my feminine have their time to shine and like really crank their energy. And now it's come into this phase of being in sacred union between the two. So one is not overpowering the other. They're both working in tandem together. And, you know, before like, the savoring of life and like, Ooh, I want to go here and I want to go here and I want to do this and do that without any boundaries is what actually got me into some of the situations that I was in. Now I'm not responsible for someone else's abusive behavior or their violating behavior. I am not responsible for that. And that's an important thing for anyone who has experienced a violation or abuse of any kind. Absolutely. And, and, like now having the boundaries that I have, I I don't come close to any of those types of environments where I might get myself into a bit of a pickle. Not that I can prevent every bad thing from ever happening, but there are a lot of things that are on my radar now that my intuition pings and is like, don't turn left, turn right. Yeah. And so I follow that guidance and generally speaking, like I have more pleasurable experiences to account for. And then there are times where I have to be fierce as fuck with my boundaries and be like, no, get the fuck out. Like this does not belong here. Like you don't get to talk to me that way. You don't get to touch me that way. Like get out. And so that fierce masculine gets to come up and then gets to dance with my feminine and they they're finding a much more you know, delicious flow together these days, which is, you know, real refreshing and a breath of fresh air after like very distinct, you know, pockets of my life, like the twenties, like early twenties and probably like my teenage years was the feminine Mm -hmm. gone wild for me. (laughs) And then like mid twenties to mid thirties was my masculine, like gone wild and like really anchored in very serious. And now it's like, Ooh, now we're back to the playful, but with boundaries. And that yeah. feels like a, a whole new portal to be entering into. Yeah. And I don't know if you've distinguished this on other episodes of just kind of this idea of like the masculine and the feminine and like that 
we we can embody both. Uh, so something that I talk a lot about in tarot because we'll have masculine and feminine cards. And so I think, you know, a very traditional way to look at tarot is like, oh, well, the emperor comes up, that means that there's an aggressive man in your life. Hmm. When I really remind people that like, well, we each have the masculine and the feminine within us. And maybe the emperor represents an aggressive side of ourselves or yeah. a more structured side of ourselves mm -hmm. um, and vice versa. A man can get a queen. And I'm not sure why I'm talking about this, but something that you said reminded <laughs> me of tarot. Amazing. I love that tarot just keeps getting woven in and because I, it's funny you say this because I was watching this Irish show last night and there's a tarot reader in it and having known you and some other really great tarot readers, I know it's not necessarily literal and like they're very metaphorical cards. And so in this episode, this woman pulls the death card and she tells the woman she's reading for, she's like, oh, this means someone close to you is going to die. And I'm like, no, that is not what it means. <laughs> I was so mad. I was screaming at the TV last night, just so frustrated that I'm like, no, like, and that's why, you know, people won't sometimes use some of these tools because there's so much misunderstanding but when we understand like oh there are masculine feminine aspects in all of us and you know as a woman if I pull the emperor card like yeah that might mean that there is more structure you know that I'm leaning on or that is coming into my life or like there can be many ways to dance with the interpretation of that and as someone who yeah. loves reading omens like that gets me all kinds of turned on <laughs> Love it. Well, and even like within our bodies, like mm -hmm. uh, energetics wise, the right side of our body is masculine, left is feminine. And so it's like, well, if my right now, for instance, my whole right side body is like really messed up. Mm -hmm. And so I could be like, yes, my, my muscles are hurting on the right side of my body. But because of the lens, which I look through things, I'm like, oh my God, I've been in a uh, you know, business authority mode for way too long. And my right side body is screaming at me to get into my left side body. Mm -hmm. um, so I will be like, hopefully this weekend, really taking that into account and listening to myself, you know, amazing. <laughs> oh, I love that. And you know, again, I'm not surprised that we have this in common, but like anytime that there is something pinging in my body, I do immediately track what side of my body it's on and what is the intuitive message around that. And when I had a past relationship where there was a lot of infidelity, I had a shoulder injury and I couldn't lift my right arm above my head. And so like, there was like this stuckness with my, my masculine energy. And now knowing what I know, I'm like, oh, like there was like almost a block in being able to put that structure or that authority in place of like, this is not okay for me. Mm -hmm. And like, it took having a shoulder injury where I couldn't move my arm for me to be like, hmm, maybe some boundaries <laughs> 
a good idea. <laughs> or like, what is the weight of this on my shoulders? Like there's a weight of this situation that's so heavy that I can't even lift up my arm. Like it's fucking with my shoulder. And like, what would help ease the burden of that? Like, can I play with my masculine in a way that helps ease the burden, which yes, boundaries and structure and communication and a little bit of bit of fierceness was required in order for that to start clearing and moving again. Absolutely. And I, you know, I've been to acupuncturists as well who say, well, actually, if it's your right side body that is hurting, it's your left that needs Mm. help. Mm -hmm. So you know, just like with all of these kind of tools, it can be either, or it could totally. be both. And it, it's really up to us as individuals to kind of assess in real time, what's mm-hmm. what, and to use our own, um, methodologies and also yeah. intuition of like, what is the meaning now? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was different than yesterday. Totally. totally. And I can see that also being true of like the clue of like, I need more structure, I need more fierceness, but also now my feminine needs to heal from this massive betrayal. And so I I do need some restoration. I need to relax. I need to be nourished in order to heal from that massive blowout that's just happened in my life. So for me, like... (laughs) being the the person who loves messages and like decoding the universe like my scorpio moon gets all all excited about this of like ooh what is the hidden message here and for a lot of the time it will be a both and like both of them are true or as you say like at one pocket or juncture of my life one might be true versus the other might be true in a different circumstance and it is about discerning what is alive and true and right for you today. Yes. That's really what matters. So good. Oh my gosh. I'm obsessed with you. <laughs> I'm pretty obsessed with you. I cannot wait to meet you in person. Likewise. Likewise. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I have one more tangent that I'd love for us to go on because I'm, I love this about you. You just wrote a kid's book and in our intake form for the podcast, you wrote, you know, I just published this kid's book and I would love to talk about that being a dynamic woman where we can do something like publish a kid's book, but still twerk. So let's kind of wrap up on yeah. that because that feels spicy and delicious and so good. So I wrote a kid's book with my best friend and business partner, Tori, and it was actually her idea. She brought it to me and I ended up illustrating the book as well Mm. and um, never been interested in making a kid's book, but it was uh, an opportunity to kind of crack into a new world and crack into like a new field really. Mm. Um, And so, you know, I'm not, I'm, I am not a polite person. I am not like a kid's book (laughs) author. Like, I don't know what that is, but you know, I, I said this because on my Instagram, I put up a video of us twerking. It was like, we were fully clothed, you know, Hmm. whatever. Um, and somebody wrote on my Instagram, like, and you call yourself a children's book author or something. (laughs) 
Oh, no, they didn't. <laughs> and I'm like, it's just so interesting because it's like, we're in 2021, right? Like, mm -hmm. for all the progressiveness we think we have, we're really still living on models that were created a thousand years ago mm -hmm. that are completely outdated. And so this idea that like we have to be a certain way to identify as an author or in some realm that like works with children. Um, mm. And I just want, if I could give anybody anything from this hour, just to invite in multidisciplinary forms of your own being mm. and to be multidimensional and to not fit in a prescribed box because it is not authentic to mm -hmm. only be one way yes. um, or to only kind of identify as what you do for a living or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I was jamming about as mm. you would say mm. um yeah what do you think about that you know I'm right on the same page as you girlfriend <laughs> because that's partly why I started moving in the direction of pleasure because I'd noticed that being a self-love and relationship teacher like there was a certain identity that was being constructed around me based on my audience's perception of me and their projections onto me. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't fit for me. Like I'm someone who like cracks the dirtiest jokes. I'm talking about dicks all the time. Like I'm talking about sex nonstop. Like there are these sides to me that, you know, don't necessarily always come out in a business context, but I'm feeling like backed into a corner now. I feel like if I even show my sense of humor online, I'm like, I'm going to get thrown to the wolves. And I'm like, hmm, that's an interesting place to be. Like, I don't subscribe. <laughs> so what do I need to do? Yeah. What do I need to do to like reorient, you know, what I'm putting out into the world? Because part of that is my responsibility. Like part of it is what I'm allowing people to see. And am I allowing them to see the dynamic version of me or am I only bringing forward like a very one dimensional component of myself? And in my previous relationship, he was kind of the firecracker and like, he, you know, was very loud and like, blah. And so in our dynamic, like I did take a much more grounded, serious, anchored space because someone had to tether the relationship, someone had to anchor it. But what that did in terms of like my personal expression is it almost like moved my humor to the side because I'm like, oh, he's the funny one. And so my humor gets pushed to the side and I'm like, wait, what? Like, I'm hilarious. Like, I make myself laugh all the time. My friends think I'm the funniest. Like, why is that not being woven in? And part of it is the relational dynamic and the karma that we had to play out together. But also part of it was me just not advocating for that. Like, had I been like, no, I'm just as funny as you, there might've been like a little bit of like, huh? at first, but then there would have been an opening for that eventually with him you know, and so I have to take radical self-responsibility over like, am I actually bringing the most dynamic version of me forward? And the answer was no. And so I started to 
bring in more elements of playfulness, more elements of humor, more elements of pleasure, because now I feel like I can operate as the full complete version of myself on my Instagram, on the podcast, just in my business in general. And my coaching clients get that side of me. Like they get like the dirty jokes and cracking jokes in a coaching call, but also like very anchored and serious and sacred. And I need both of those. You know, I need that full range in order to feel totally alive and like I'm doing what I'm here to do on the planet. So I feel you so much, sister. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. It, yeah, it feels so good to hear this because I think a lot of people who have communities do tend to kind of get boxed in mm-hmm. unintentionally where, you know, what, because as constant students, we are just called to speak and work things for periods of time. Priority of our career, right? Mm. So, you know, then they're like, but wait, I thought you were the relationship person that was like this. Mm-hmm. Um, when I want to give everybody permission to change like right that's what we're all Mm -hmm. here to do we're here to learn how to grow and change and then when creators and teachers change people are like what are you doing (laughs) you're disrupting my stability and my security and like the you know the image that I've created of you like and that can feel that can feel really destabilizing sometimes for sure yeah yeah but also it's the most authentic thing and when we watch someone online, we have to remind ourselves, like we're only getting a fraction of who they are and they're showing us what they want to show us, not necessarily the full dynamic range, going back to that conversation of privacy. Like there are Mm -hmm. some things that people are so entitled to keep private. And, you know, and if we keep that in mind when we're learning from someone, or if we admire, you know, someone for their artistic talent or, you know, whatever gift they're bringing to the world, keeping in mind, like, oh yeah, they're a dynamic human who has a lot of range. And I am just seeing a fraction of that, but just knowing that truth, it doesn't feel so destabilizing when they show their humanity, when, when they make a mistake or when they show a side of you that you're like, that was unexpected, you know, and then we can roll with it with a little bit more ease. Um, Yeah. And it doesn't have to feel like, oh, the ground beneath me has just been blown out because this image I created has now been shattered. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So good. Okay. I feel like it's time for some rapid fire questions. I'm so excited. I'm excited. Okay. Uh, La, 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 la. Ooh, I love this one. What is something you're celebrating in your life right now? Uh, I just had my two-year sober birthday, so I mm. haven't drank alcohol in two years. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, ooh, what is one thing you wish the world would embrace when it comes to pleasure? Just the ebb and flow that we can't be in pleasure all the time mm-hmm. and that it's okay to constantly be refinding it because that's part of the process yes 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 
How is pleasure prioritized in your romantic relationships? Well, sometimes we have a, a schedule. So we'll mm -hmm. set time to make sure. Otherwise, we don't have time to do it. Uh, sometimes we'll do it every other day for a week. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we're having sex every day, but we're having intimate time. Right. I love that so, so much. Um, ooh, what are you most turned on about in your life right now? Like working out. Mm. I totally didn't work out all of 2020. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was freeing and liberating. And now mm -hmm. it feels so exciting to challenge my body again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've been feeling that as well. Like 2020, I mean, I did work out sometimes, but like not a lot. And now I'm like craving it. I'm like, Ooh, like let's try these new workouts or like I almost went for a run the other day. The impulse is not totally there yet. I, it started raining. I'm like, I don't want to run that bad. <laughs> yeah. But it's getting there. It's getting there. All right. Final question. If you could whisper a nugget of pleasure wisdom to 13 year old you, what would you tell her? I would tell her that she is extremely sacred mm -hmm. and that exploring appearance and uh, being out in the world doesn't make you a sexual object. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is my favorite question to ask. Like with every guest that's come on, I'm like, ah, yes. The 13 year old in me needed to hear that too. <laughs> Yeah, so I good. needed to hear that. <laughs> yes, so good. Okay, Vera. So obviously everyone's going to be in love with you after hearing this conversation, just like I am. And where can they find you? What are you up to? Let us know what, what magic you're creating in the world right now. Yeah, well, you can find me and my Instagram, which is Vera Can't Dance, V-I-R-A. Or you can find me on my professional page, Sweetheart Club, S-U-I Heart Club. Uh, I am teaching mindfulness and meditation. Uh, I am probably teaching tarot. Uh, I am still really enjoying promoting and putting the children's book called Search for Syrup out in the world. Mm. Uh, so you can find the book at searchforsyrup.com or you can sign up for a mindfulness class mindfulness class at joinmindfulmonday.com. Amazing. And I will make sure to put all of those links in the show notes. So it's a very easy find for everyone to come and connect with you and find you in orbit in your magic, because you are just such a beautiful bright light. And I'm honored to call you a sister and a friend. And I can't wait till we can frolic in real life together. Frolicking will be amazing. <laughs> So amazing. <laughs> oh, well, thank you everyone for listening to this epic conversation. I hope you got so much out of it. Let us know, share the episode if it resonated with you. Um, tweet us. 
I mean, you can tweet me. I don't know if you've got Twitter, but you can tweet me. You can share the uh, episode on Instagram and we'll reshare it. Um, it really helps the podcast grow when we share a message that has resonated with us, with the people that we love. And just thank you for taking your time and investing this hour with us today. We don't take it lightly in a time where you could be doing a bazillion different things. And thank you for showing up and we'll see you all next week.